Hello and welcome to Meet Environmental Protectors. I'm Julie and I travel to Europe to interview inspiring people committed in environmental protection. My goal is to discover and highlight commitments in different European countries so that we get inspired by one another. My interviewees can be anyone, famous or not, no matter the job nor the scale of action. So if you are excited by the project and would like to participate, do not hesitate to write me an email or to contact me on Facebook or Instagram. You can find the address in the description below as well as more detail on today's guest. Thanks a lot to my friend Claire for her help with the editing. Enjoy! So hello everyone, thank you for listening to Meet Environmental Protectors. Today I'm in Milan, Italy, and I have a pleasure to meet Mrs. Caterina Sarfati. Uh, thank you again, Caterina, for accepting this interview. First of all, could you please introduce yourself uh, as you wish? Feel free to use your own words. Okay. Are you? <laughs> um, thank you. Hi, everybody. Hi. Um, so, yeah, my name is Caterina Sarfatti. I'm 38, nearly 39. Uh, and I'm based in Milan, in Italy. I'm a professional uh, with uh, 13 years of experience now, I think. Yeah, 13 years of experience. Um, in uh, urban policies, in climate, and in social affairs. Um, I am a mother (laughs) of a a a three-year-and-a-half daughter, uh, and I'm also an activist uh, in in my free time. Uh, Not very free, but in my time. Um, I've been working for C40 Cities, and I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, for the past seven years now. Uh, And first, before that, I was was working for the city administration here in Milan, for, for the mayor's office offices Um, and before that I was working in the NGO sector on human rights and migration Uh, and my background is in uh, uh, social uh, in uh, sorry political science uh, human rights and philosophy uh, with a degree here in Italy and then in in Paris in in Sciences Po. Yeah you have an impressive academic career (laughs) I saw so many degrees Uh, how did you choose uh, this path your career uh, did you have a really precise idea of a job when you were young, or was it uh, just following what you liked? Uh, when I was when I was very little, uh, I hesitate between yeah. being a journalist, uh, an actress, uh, and traveling the world. Uh, I think I've got a little bit of everything, but not but none of these three. <laughs> if that makes sense, um, I, I guess the, the 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 serious answer to the question is that I. Um, I think I've developed sort of my career path, uh, and I am de- I am still developing my career path. Really trying to make the most out of the experiences and the past experiences, rather than having a very concrete idea of what I wanted to be when I was younger. Like it's not that you know I wanted to be a doctor or an architect, and you have mm-hmm. like the path, and right? You, yeah, you do the steps. Yeah, step exactly. Step and, okay. uh, I developed the path on the basis of what I really enjoyed, what I was passionate about, and and how really to make the most out of everything for to inform the next step I was I was also lucky and, and privileged in, be, in being able to do it but yes I think uh, in the end it all makes sense hopefully <laughs> um, uh, but definitely it was it was it was and it is a learning by doing yeah I was curious about the philosophy degree uh, does it help you now thinking about the future of city yeah I'm a big supporter of making sure that everybody takes philosophy at a certain point in their life <laughs> or at high school or at university because I really think you know it's it's always pictured as the more abstract and less 
um, conducive to find a job uh, subject of the world, but actually I, I think it's, it's really helpful to give you the tools uh, to be able to interpret the world in, in, in different ways and also to be always to, I guess the main thing is always to question and doubt things, I guess, right? And like really make sure that you go, um, that you go deep and, 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 and you question things and, and you think about the, the big picture and not just the, the, the individual things that, you, that you're doing. So I think that, that was really, really helpful for me and fun as well. It was a good period of my life. Uh, you work with several NGOs, such as International Federation for Human Rights and Italian Council for Refugees. Which role did these experiences play in your career and in your personal construction uh, as well? I was and I am very passionate about human rights, social and civil rights since the very beginning uh, of, my, of my studies, uh, which is why I've decided to take a master degree in it, even if I was not a lawyer and I, I was not planning to become a lawyer. Um, and, and I started because of also of my origins, uh, being Italian, Um, immigration has always been like um, in the past 20 years a big issue here in, in the country uh, for many different reasons uh, and so really starting to work sort of on, on human rights of migrants uh, was was a thing that really I was passionate about and still am very passionate about as I find sort of immigration and human mobility as like a key um, a key phenomenon of, of our world and how sort of history evolves. Uh, and then when I was working with refugees in, in Rome, it was very, very clear that we started realizing, uh, even if nobody spoke about it, but there was a clear realization that many immigrants and many refugees were, were moving uh, and were forced to move because of climate change. And of course, back then, it was 2009, 2010, there was not a lot on it. There was a little bibliography. It was not a very, very debated argument. Um, but there was already something. There was like a few institutions that were working on it, a few NGOs that were working on it. Um, and And so I started to become really passionate about climate and climate change and how this impacted human well-being and human mobility. And I wrote a thesis on climate migration that then really sort of informed my job and the work and the contribution I brought to the organizations I worked at. And so now let's move to your current job, director of C40's Inclusive Climate Action Program. Um, could you explain us in a few words what is C40 first? Yeah, C40 is um, an international organization. It's an NGO, it's a non-governmental organization, but it has the specificity of being led by mayors, so by local government leaders. The chair is always a mayor, uh, there's a steering committee that is made up of mayors and that really drive the organization. Um, it's a member organization, so uh, we federate uh, 96 cities. It's the big cities of the world, so the mega cities of, of the world. And, and the main mission of C40 is to avoid climate breakdown through the action and voices of, of mayors. So supporting and inspiring mayors, enabling peer-to-peer -peer learning between mayors, but also using the collective political voice of mayors to inform the international and political agenda on climate. And so it was created in 2005. When it was created, was it a way of, of 
kind of feeling a, a lack of concrete action from the European Union? Uh, well, not sure if, if it was focused at the European Union. There was not that kind of, of focus. But yes, it was started in 2005 by a mayor, uh, the mayor of London at that time, Ken Livingston, who gathered in London, uh, I never remember, it's 13 or 15, like a bunch of a bunch of mayors around the table, basically stating, you know, climate change is going to be the defining issue of our of the next um, decades and century and mayors can play a part in it uh, and they are playing a part in it and so we need to, to join up forces to be able to avoid climate change. So that was a start and then of course it, it grew and there were several chairs that really sort of informed and shaped the organization. Mayor, uh, Mayor David Miller of Toronto, Mayor Bloomberg in, in New York, Mayor Pais in Rio de Janeiro and then of course Mayor Hidalgo, Mayor Garcetti, Mayor Khan, um, all very prominent political leaders who have informed and, and shaped the, the organization and, and how it works. When I joined C40 we were I think 60 or 70 uh, and now it's an organization of nearly 350 people bound to grow and of course sort of expanding our our programs our budget our influence also hopefully and the name of the program is inclusive climate action yeah I will focus on the word inclusive to what extent is making cities greener uh, inextricably linked to social justice and perhaps also to uh, gender equality the, the main theory of change of, of the program that we started in 2017, um, so, so nearly six years ago, the main theory of change is that in order to be effective and in order to be delivered, climate action has to be supported, uh, endorsed by not just the climate movement, but by everybody. And in order to be able to do that, it needs to be inclusive of the different needs of communities and socially acceptable. There is a um, former journalist and, and, and political theorist in Italy called Alexander Langer, um, who uh, s- talked about the need for the ecological conversion to be socially desirable. Uh, and that's sort of the main theme and the main theory of change behind the program. And so that's because climate breakdown has big injustices. Uh, It was created by a little portion of the population that is responsible for the majority of the emissions. Um, but hits the, the, the majority of the population, in particular the most vulnerable, um, hardest, uh, and meaning, and it creates and exacerbates inequalities in terms of gen- gender inequalities, age inequalities. If you think about the young people, are the one less responsible, but the one that will um, uh, feel the burdens of the climate breakdown more. Um, class and social inequalities. Normally, low-income people are the ones that are more impacted. Um, And so because of this context, it is even more critical that climate action and the climate transition doesn't replicate, exacerbate these inequalities, but actually is a great opportunity to heal them. Um, But it's not automatic, right? Uh, Climate action has lots of benefits, of course, uh, uh, in terms of job creation, air quality, health. Uh, but but the type of action that is is really effective and really be sustainable and and endorsed and replicated is action that also has equitable outcomes and that shares the benefits equitably across populations. So that's okay. the main goal and the main vision of the program, an ambitious one. Um, but but it's really comforting to see that actually cities and mayors are already doing this. Right? They, there's 
there's already lots of examples of, of what equitable and inclusive climate action mm -hmm. is, of just transition, uh, and we're working mm -hmm. with cities to increase this action and inspire others to do the same. If you have a concrete example of something that an accomplishment... I can give you two very different examples, but, but very um, uh, exemplative for me. Uh, we've worked in the past two years, my team and the program, we've worked with um, a few cities. One was Los Angeles with okay. Mayor Garcetti. Um, and uh, we've worked with, with the city uh, to ensure that the um, ban they were putting on, on oil dwells in the city, because Los Angeles is still uh, an oil city, uh, to ensure that, that this ban, which of course is, is very, very important from a climate perspective and an air quality one also, because uh, lots of underserved communities, indigenous communities normally live around oil dwells, so very important from a social, economical and climate perspective, but of course could have challenges in terms of jobs and, and, and job losses in, in the fossil fuel industry and for fossil fuel workers. And so we, we help them create a just transition task force with unions, with communities, uh, with different levels of government um, uh, to ensure that the kind of policies that they could put in place in terms of uh, training, skilling, just transition processes could ensure that the, the green jobs created uh, elsewhere were exactly could really be accessible by the people that are losing or could lose the job. Um, so that's like a very interesting process. It's not finished at all. It's, it's in the process. It yes, time. it takes time. <laughs> Uh, but definitely a very interesting okay. one of a city and a mayor that thinks about these things jointly. Mm -hmm. Accra, slightly different. Uh, waste in Accra is, is a big issue uh, in terms of, of climate, but also resilience and adaptation. And uh, they are improving the waste facilities so that um, they can close landfills and, and they can make the waste management more sustainable. Uh, but this as well may have a job impact and a livelihood impact on the sort of so-called um, informal waste pickers, uh, people that normally create livelihoods and income on landfills and so what they're doing is like um, ensuring a process and a framework to involve the informal sector and the informal workers potentially create cooperatives so that people feel involved included in the process and also improve the livelihoods and and, and the type of jobs uh, they have so again this still is a process but very 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 interesting one and, and and already we're seeing quite quite some 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 difference in terms of relationship between between the workers and and, and the city administration it's nice to hear <laughs> And how do they inspire one another? Do you have an example? Yes, the, well, this is really the bread and butter of C40. Uh, there's lots of thematic networks, sectorial networks of cities where city officials from very different uh, regions of the world collaborate, join up, discuss about solutions and problems and challenges um, under the Inclusive Climate Action Programme, for example. But again, it's, it's really one example among many. We have uh, an Inclusive Climate Action Forum. Okay. Uh, it comprises of 31 cities uh, from different uh, regions of the world uh, that are engaged in sharing knowledge, expertise, best practices, also bad practices, um, on, on, on ensuring that climate action is inclusive and equitable. And they, we have been working on different themes, like the involvement of the informal sector, um, increasing resilience of vulnerable communities, green jobs and access to green jobs, gender equity and, and many others. What is the project you are the most proud of? Well, the work, the work of, uh, definitely the work of um, these pilot cities that are working in, in, in really delivering concretely a just transition and inclusive and equitable climate action has been very, very satisfactory because 
many people are talking about these links between climate justice, uh, social justice, climate, and, but you really see it playing out concretely in positive terms. So that's very exciting. A, a slightly different project, but uh, smaller, but, I, but it's very close to my heart because of what I was telling you before, is um, this um, initiative around climate and migration that we have built in the past years in C40, and that has led to the creation of a mayoral task force, or so a group of mayors, driving the work uh, that have developed, co-developed together with C40, um, an agenda, an action agenda on climate and migration in cities. So why, like what, how, you know, the links, how climate is playing um, on, on, on influencing and, and, and forcing, unfortunately, mobility, what is the impact in cities and what cities can do about it and what they need from other levels of government. And, and this agenda uh, is informing many discussions at international level. Uh, mayors have been called to discuss this at international level in different forums. And, and, and so it's sort of, it's establishing itself as, as a thought leader around these topics and acknowledging that I was studying this, you know, 12 years ago makes, makes me quite proud. <laughs> yes. yeah. And I was wondering about a less positive part uh, of your job. Sometimes I assume it can be frustrating or discouraging because perhaps uh, changing policies takes retakes some time, or perhaps uh, sometimes the cities don't change the way you would have liked. Uh, how do you deal with it? Yeah, of course. I guess whoever works in the climate space, uh, on one hand, is has the privilege of working on on a very imminent and crucial. Uh, phenomenon and, and, and topic for everybody and so you feel sort of also the, the excitement and privilege of, of being able to, to work on it uh, working on something that really makes a difference in the world on the other hand it can be very frustrating uh, because of, of, of how much there's still to do of the fact that there's lots of people doing a lot of things but it's never enough I guess the one thing that sometimes is, is challenging for me is sometimes I see that in the climate movement and the climate space there is still this cleavage between climate first or, or social first uh, you know you, we should deal with like emission reduction only and then there's uh, the, the cleavage between emission reduction or, 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 or social and economical considerations and, and, and the kind of vision that, that most of us have and that it's, it's, it, we deal with is that both are crucial to make uh, change right and if if people feel secure in terms of their life their livelihoods their salary their job it will be more easy for them to support climate action um, but of course climate action is critical and crucial because if you do, if you don't lower emissions then um, uh, the breakdown will be will be uh, unmanageable so I guess yeah sometimes I, I think um, as, as different activists say we need to unify the fights <laughs> and the movements um, uh, you know workers fights are and, and, and climate movement and LGBT movements and gender movements uh, if they unified um, they would be more effective could you tell us uh, one of the lessons ah, you've learned while committing to environmental protection and inclusive uh, transition? Oh, many lessons. <laughs> <laughs> many learnings. Um, yeah, I guess maybe one of the main lessons is um, governments, local governments, national governments, governments in general are, are built according to a 20th century world. Uh, and we're not anymore in that world. Uh, and so the type of uh, governance innovation, process innovation, decision-making in innovation is as important, if not more important, 
than technological innovation to be able to deliver climate action. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that the big, the biggest strides and the biggest changes we are seeing on the ground come from governance changes. For example, uh, Oslo uh, has been uh, piloting for the past years a climate budget uh, in the city, mainstreaming climate considerations. Uh, across all the departments. So all the departments from the police department to the cultural department know how much their action costs in terms of financial resources, but also in terms of emission and risk reduction. And this has made a big a big difference. Similarly to inclusive climate action, when uh, the social department, the economical department work very closely to the, to the climate department, you can get very different um, uh, changes rather than you know the climate department doing everything on climate and the social department doing everything. So you know these type of changes that seems obvious uh, but require uh, time and, and work. Uh, they then have a huge impact, maybe even more than a technological shift. So cooperation is the key. Co-creation, <laughs> process innovation, governance innovation, and mainstreaming inclusive climate action across everything that a city government does is definitely key. How do you feel to be a woman in a position with high responsibility? Have you experienced sexism during your career? Oh, yes. <laughs> Who hasn't? I that. <laughs> What can I say? Yes. Uh, as always, more at the beginning rather than now. At the beginning of my career, I didn't have the awareness uh, and the tools that I have now to respond uh, and to be able to tackle sexism um, I maybe realized afterwards that it was sexism and not at that time but I think that the, the younger generations are much better than how we were uh, 15 years ago um, they are much more aware and, and, and much more conscious of you know mansplaining sexism gender inequity salary gaps you name it right um, but still it's very very important that women you know lead by example that and I really am a strong believer of um, the collective power of women rather than the individual power of women so which is not always the case uh, mm-hmm. because we live in a patriarchal system still but as much as, as as women can unite and sort of support each other and, and and bring about collective changes the better rather than always talking about individual examples of women in power which you know they may have had privileges it's more important like, like again the, the the collective change and the collective empowerment rather than the individual Um, what do you think is still lacking to modify our societies and ways of living to address cl- climate and biodiversity issues? Is it technical innovation, raising awareness, political willpower, perhaps uh, stepping out of a capitalist system, or perhaps that uh, would help. <laughs> our relationship to the ecosystem we live in as well, perhaps? You tell me. All of these, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I would say two things. One is... Um, The, the challenge is so huge uh, that you need everything, right? You need all types of actors. Uh, you need, of course, individual change uh, and individual behavior, but you also need the big political transformative changes. You need the businesses as you need the workers. Uh, you need uh, media and cultural um, uh, action as uh, you need social and economical one. Like you really need, you, you need people investing in the right places and divesting from the right places. Um, you really need everything. And it's, and you know, there's a bit of the debate of like, should we focus more on behavior change? Should we focus more on transformative change and policy change? You need everything. The one thing I think is really really needed and I, if I if I would need to sort of pick one thing is 
because of the injustices that we just talked about mm -hmm. and because of the data we have that a very small proportion of the population is causing climate breakdown and it's the richest population mm -hmm. in the world, that is really where you have to focus the action. Mm -hmm. It's an issue of sustainability from a climate perspective, but also it's an issue of justice. Mm -hmm. So ensuring that you know the behavior and the lifestyles of this very, very little percentage of the population change and are modified through regulation, through incentives, but most importantly through regulations and bans, mm -hmm. but not at the detriment of the low and middle income. And you know, the question that people always make, you know, but the ecological transition costs who pays for it. First of all, climate breakdown costs more, but second, we know who should pay for the climate transition. It's the one that have caused climate breakdown. So it's the fossil fuel industries and it's the richest part of the population through the right fiscal measures and through the right types of taxation. In December uh, 2022, five activi uh, climate activists from the Last Generation group, they threw paint of the yeah. facade of La Scala Opera House here in Milan. Uh, what is your opinion on this, on this type of action and what do you think about civil disobedience in general? Look, I know there's lots of debate around this. Um, I don't think it's fair to judge a typology of action, right? Uh, Of course, violent actions are, are not acceptable, but I don't consider these to be violent actions. They're actions, right? And there's different types of actions. If I have, if I have to, had to say, you know, what is what I feel more uh, close to, I would definitely say the Fridays for Future movement rather than, than the next generation ones. But I think, again, as I was mentioning before, everything is needed. And most importantly, what really drives me mad is the fact that instead of focusing on the responsibilities of who is causing climate breakdown, you, you focus, like media and, and politics focuses on the responsibility of activists. You can, of course, sort of debate around the methods, and but the most important thing is what, what these actions are pointing at. Uh, that is more important than rather than the gesture. And also, they're always very, very careful in like making sure that the paint is uh, is is visible. Is, is visible. Like um, uh, they have been portrayed to be uh, radical, or or but it's 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 like it's gestures to raise the attention, mm -hmm. and the important is the cause they're raising attention to, not the the actual gesture that that would be my my take had it not been in this job in your current job how do you think you would have committed to environment uh, protection and social rights and in which career oh that's an If interesting question in <laughs> <I've never thought laughs> about it. well there's one thing that we really don't work in with c40 because it's not our scope and it's not our bread and butter but that i'm really really interested in and passionate about which is the role of farmers in the climate transition It's something that has always interested me because on one hand, farmers are among the, the category that are more impacted by the climate breakdown, but in many cases among the most conservative categories in terms of climate transition and climate investment. And so there's, there's something there that needs to change, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, of supporting farmers, uh, raising awareness and bringing them on the side of the climate movement. Mm -hmm. That has always, yeah, that is always something that we really don't work a lot in C40 and has always sort of interested, interested me. Uh, and if not, I guess um, information, education, um, culture. That's journalist. Yeah, uh, exactly. That, that, yeah, exactly. Okay, thanks. Any resource you would like to share or perhaps a, a person you've been, you've been inspired by? 
Well, I guess The Economist, Marianna Mazzucato, uh, the Italian economist, Marianna Mazzucato, and her recent books has, have very much inspired me. And I've had the privilege of working with her in C40, for C40. Um, she has contributed to, to some of the, the work we did uh, on, okay. on the recovery from the pandemic in cities. And, and her books and herself has, has always been a source of inspiration. Some of the mayors I've been working with okay. have really been a source of inspiration. Uh, Mayor of Los Angeles, Garcetti, for sure. Mayor Hidalgo as well. Mayor Colau in Barcelona. Uh, I had the privilege of of, no, of knowing her and working with her. An enormous source of inspiration for what she's doing in Barcelona on climate justice and climate. And I, and then really seems rhetoric, but it's true. My colleagues. Uh, one of the privileges working in C40 is the level of talent and people having their heart in the right place and and really committed to the to the cause and to what they're working on um, so you know I could name a few but but definitely m many of my colleagues have inspired me con continuously uh, you got one last word on uh, environment protection or anything you like perhaps a thought or a piece of advice uh, anything you want it's not too late <laughs> it's not too late it's difficult it's very challenging it requires many radical changes, but it's not too late. It's important to be rational, but, but never losing hope. Thank you very much. Thank you for accepting me to do this interview with me. Uh, it was really interesting and uh, inspiring as well. Thank, Thank you, you very much. <laughs> Thank you. This is the end of this episode. I hope you liked it and got inspired. If you did, do not forget to rate the podcast, to comment and to subscribe, not to miss the next interview. Have a nice day!